Let me welcome all of our listeners to the Dominican.net radio for Wednesday, the fifth day in the month of September 2012. Let me also welcome the listeners to Q95 FM radio station in Dominica. We want to welcome all of you for this special edition of This Week in Interview. Tonight, of course, our special guest with us for the entire hour is Mr. Darwin Telemac. Darwin, of course, well-known sports personality in Dominica, recently accompanied the Dominica Olympic team as a media representative to the London Olympics. And tonight we will be talking about Olympics. We'll be talking about the future of Dominica as it relates to Olympics. But we'll also be spending some time with Mr. Telemac discussing the upcoming T20 World Cup in which West Indies will be participating. And of course, we want to ask the serious question about why it is that Dominica's very own Darwin Telemac is not part of the squad. So all of that is coming up. Let me just say welcome to, to Darwin. Hi, good evening, Thompson. I think you just made a... a uh, you switch the names around. That that should have been. I, I'm guessing you're trying to say why Shane Chillingford was not part of Shane Chillingford. Yes, of absolutely right, right. Shane Chillingford. Yes. Darwin Telemark was a, a, a hope many many years ago, <laughs> but Shane is the man. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, Darwin. Well, I'm happy to be here with you, Thompson, and um, uh, here to see how we, you know, we can engage in the brighter development of this, of all sports, but particularly the ones that you wish to discuss. So I'm here, I'm all yours. Yes, well, Darwin, is great, as I said, to have you, certainly. Um, thanks for taking us up on this. And let me just start by getting your thoughts on the recent Olympics. I know we are a couple of weeks removed from the event. We tried to communicate a couple of Wednesdays ago, but of course, um, Hurricane or Tropical Storm Isaac intervened. So I'm glad that you're able to come tonight. I wanted to get your view, Darwin, on the Olympics Games as far as the performances of the West Indians, firstly, and secondly, um, of the Dominicans who participated at the Games. Well... Uh, first of all, I think I think I would I would start off by saying that um, it was indeed a great um, privilege to have been uh, afforded the opportunity to be part of the greatest event uh, on earth. I don't think there's anything larger, bigger than an Olympic Games. Uh, I must say that having been a part of many large sporting events, cricket, American football. NBA, I think you, you, you kind of get a feel for the aura of, you know, the type of entertainment that is afforded you. But to, to go into an Olympic Games for the, the period of time, you know, two weeks, a little bit over two weeks, uh, to watch the precision and the organization that takes place in bringing about all these events to happen in sequence without flaw, without failure, without any glitches, I think it's unbelievable. It's just immaculate to see, uh, you know, how that all, how that's all put together. I, I, and I'm talking about every single thing. I mean, we were uh, we were housed in a a press media press center, and um, in the media press center there were probably about four to six thousand journalists in terms of print, radio, uh, television. Lots and lots of people there. This is huge, massive buildings and um, we, I, I can tell you that when you were in there you were you were really really afforded you know some 
major privileges. Anything you wanted was at your bed. If you forgot a pen, you could get one. If you forgot your, your adapter, you could get one. If you forgot your laptop, one was available. If you forgot your pen drive. So it's, it's as if they, they sat down and thought of every single thing that could possibly, you know, go wrong. You know, someone misplaced their camera. They had a replacement. I, I, I looked at that whole thing and I thought, wow, these people were prepared. They, were, they planned it so well. And um, that, that, takes, that takes a lot of effort, focus. And it, it, it also speaks to the quality of the product that they brought out. The organization that went into it, I think, really built up to what is, well, what is now considered an absolute blast, an excellent Olympic game. And those people who have been to many, they may be, may be in a better position to judge. But I must, I must commend the British for doing a very, very, very good job in organizing for the Games and bringing it out almost flawlessly. I say kudos to them, hats off to them in a big way. Yes, certainly that way. We could tell from the reporting that it was indeed quite an activity, in fact, one of the better games of the modern era. And uh, I think Britain did a great job after having hosted the games in nineteen in nineteen forty eight. But in terms of the of the on field performances, though, of the Caribbean athletes, uh, obviously, Kirani James out of Jamaica, out of Grenada rather, Grenada. getting uh -huh. the first gold within the OECS, quite an, an achievement. And uh, of course, the Jamaicans getting some some twelve medals, or rather, twelve medals for all the Caribbean islands, uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Quite a surprise, I think, the, the javelin player there getting this, uh, the 19-year-old javelin thrower, getting the gold medal for Trinidad and Tobago. So it was a year when we saw, in a way, the Caribbean islands coming out in quite a, a very forceful manner. But I think, I think that when once we celebrated the, the success, as it were, of the Jamaicans and Grenada and Trinidad, I think there was a bit of a, a sadness on the part of Dominica as to the performances or the, the, the lack thereof of the Dominican athletes. What, are you, what is your take on, on that? Uh, uh, good question. I think that it's quite a, a handful, though, that you threw out there, because uh, if, if, if let's just, I should say, um, do an overview of the regional performance. I, I, it would be easy to analyze what we saw, and those of us witnessed it, you know, the, what we witnessed. First of all, the Jamaicans, I thought, did extremely well in the, in the sprints. Obviously, they are now the nation to beat. Uh, in, uh, on the planet in terms of sprinting. There is no one that can catch the Jamaicans at, at this stage. The U.S., I think, have lost the, the, the accolade or the, the leadership in terms of saying we are the champions of sprints. It's now Jamaica. And, and I mean, when, when you have three men from a small, tiny island getting gold, silver, and bronze in the 200-meter race, uh, that is unbelievable and 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 i i thought in terms of de defining jamaica's uh, uh emergence as the sprint champion of the world the young warren ware who got the bronze medal was was unknown virtually never heard of you 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 don't know who that kid is and he came out there and went past everyone else in the world following behind johan blake which just says if you thought that that uh, Bolt was a phenomenon that comes around once in a, in a while, and Blake may, may easily have been his sidekick, then who is, who is where? And then the question is now, now becomes, who else is in Jamaica that can probably would have come fourth or fifth? 
for a country with the size and population of Jamaica to be able to produce that large number of world-class champion athletes, it speaks to a commitment that, uh, that transcends the actual event, the, the effort that they put into it, the, the organization that goes around to it, the culture that breeds and, 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 and supports that. Uh, when you look at the, the, the new high performance center that exists there and, and, and what it's bringing about, the various uh, colleges and universities and high schools in Jamaica that focuses so much on developing and building the legacy around their, their athletic program. When you look at the, the, the equipment, you look at the, the, the infrastructure that is put in and the training that goes into what makes Jamaican athletics work, you, you're realizing that something special is going to continue to come from there because they're not giving up. And I, I must say, the one, two, three punch in the 200 meters, if, if, if anything, Apart from Bolt and Blake being really, really uh, aggressive and in, in, in breaking down the barriers of the Americans running away with the sprints, young Ware coming from nowhere and getting the bronze just placed Jamaica on a totally different plane because we've never seen that happen ever in the world where, where, some, where one country has taken all three and a small island like Jamaica did it and wow, what an amazing moment. I think we, we, the, the Bahamians, just you know, wrapping up the region, the Bahamians, uh, they, they were disappointed for the first part of the games. They, were, they went through two weeks hoping, looking for a medal. I think their team is a bit old. They, 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 maybe the replacements uh, are coming. Young Antonique Strawn is a very aggressive young female sprinter. She is 19. She has been around at the character games. Uh, she's won gold there a few times. She just came back from Barcelona prior to the Olympics where she won gold in Barcelona at the 200 meters, and I think she may have also done the 100 meters as well. Um, that she, she is going to be a bright spark. She's actually turned professional as well at the age of 19, not going on to school, but deciding to go into the professional arena. So from the Bahamas' perspective, they were lingering. I think they languished a bit, and maybe age may be catching up with them, but in the end, they came out and won the 400-meter goal, almost bringing some respectability to the Jamaica, the Bahamian program to say, hey, we're still here. Uh, with the Grenadians competing the, the way they did, and, and it's the team. The Grenadian team went up there knowing what they were bringing to the table. They, they expected something special, and, man, they, they, they topped it. Uh, Karani James, given his country more than what any Grenadian has done for Grenada, putting it in a, in a, on a level that uh, really... Uh, signifies an emergence of a very small country, 100,000 people, and, and one man from that small village of Guav can now be considered the world champion, the Olympic champion, the gold medalist, uh, the first non-American to break the 44-second barrier in the 400, 400 meters race is a Grenadian called Kirani James. And I'll tell you what, I am of the opinion and, and there were some critics at the games who were probably saying that LaShawn Merrick could have catch up with Karani James. If LaShawn Merrick had been in that race, Karani James would have broken the world, the world record because he would have been pushed a little harder. And if he had actually pushed himself some more, he could have gone down to challenge Michael Johnson, who was sitting uh, in, in, the, in the stand. And even Michael Johnson was suggesting that uh, Karani James, though he looks 
like the champion he is, still has quite a few ill-disciplined components in the way he executes his race. His legs go, uh, you know, according to Johnson, goes, uh, you know, a little awkward, a little wayward, and that may be reducing his ability to even pick up more speed. So if we've, if we've seen go from Karani James, Michael Johnson, the world record holder, is suggesting that there's more to come from this man. So look out, Grenada is going to probably develop more. Uh, the, the one sad point of that, though, is they had three other, they had two other um, sprinters in, the, in that field, and they couldn't field a 400-meter team. We, can pro- we hope that maybe uh, with, the, with the likes of Karani James being able to do so well in the 400 meters that Grenada could actually bring up, bring up a 4x400-meter team and probably challenge the world in that, in that area as well. So look out to see more from there. The Trinidadians, the young man, I think he outdid himself. The, the Trinidadians have invested a lot in their Olympic team. The, the, the minister for sports, his name doesn't come to mind right about now. I'm sure it will in a while. He, he demanded something from his team, you know, whether it was Baptiste or Thompson. Anyone, he demanded something from them. And I remember speaking to the, 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 the journalist from Trinidad, and she said, boy, I'm just going from race to race hoping that something happens. And I'm telling you, the afternoon that this man was, was, was this young man was going to throw the javelin, we were downstairs interviewing the Trinidad team who had just ran the four by, they had done the four by one, I think, heats. And they had come out and they were out and they were saying how much they tried. And he was out there warming up with his javelin and there was very little attention on him because no one really expected what, what, what came about. And uh, hey, <laughs> he threw one javelin the first time. It went 80, I think it was 83 meters, and the rest is history. He's the world champion. Uh, the only thing I can say is after I spoke to him and asked him, you know, what helped him, he said his Cuban coach helped him a lot. But he also said that being a fast bowler in cricket, that may, that may have also contributed to his ability to throw the javelin as far as he did. So uh, I think summing up the region, these were the highlights, and it speaks to a bright future for the Caribbean uh, at, at Olympic Games. Not just Jamaica anymore, but the smaller islands are falling along. It's certainly Darwin, but one of the things I, I noticed in, in all of this, as you talked about the islands, is that there seems to be a commitment on the part of the other islands to invest in their athletes, to put in the kind of infrastructure. I mean, I must tell you that it, it is quite uh, something that when you consider that Dominica in the year 2012, we still do not have an all-weather track in the island. I mean, that speaks for itself. And, and I think that, in a way, we've neglected track and field. And I, I know, I mean, I was involved in track and field for, for many years in Dominica as the secretary of the Dominica Amateur Athletic Association, in fact, between 1988 and, and 1994. And one of the things that we tried very hard to do was to get a, an all-weather track. And sadly, I left in 1994, and it never happened. And it's still, I mean, we're talking about almost 18 years later, and I cannot imagine that we do not have those kinds of facilities in, in Dominica. And also, you're talking about the culture and the way you develop the athletes. It is very hard for us, and I see Dominicans kind of focus very attentively on the Olympic Games and say, well, why can't Dominica do better? But when you consider the kind of, of facilities we have, the kind of things that we have to work with, there is simply not that type of investment in track and field that we had even before. Well, you, very well said. I, I, well, I can't even say it's like we've had before because the current situation requires more than what we had before. It requires a lot more because what we had before was efficient in itself. So 
to suggest that we can go back there is, is the wrong way to go. We need to go way beyond we've, where, where we've ever been. We need to challenge ourselves to go into new and to cross over into new frontiers. And that requires, requires an honest discussion. It's not one that we should cherry pick and, and point fingers. We need a broad, honest discussion. Do we as a people want this thing bad enough? And that's, a, that's the first question we have to ask ourselves. And, and that can be answered in many ways. Uh, the school year has just started. When, you, when your kid starts, starts high school, how many parents sit with their sons and daughters and map out a future that includes track and field or includes sports or, in, or, or, or sort of uh, remind them of the importance to get involved, remind them of the, the, the sort of uh, legacy that they, that they would like to see that child build. How many parents would go to watch their kids play a netball game, a football game, an athletic uh, uh, track and field or cricket? Uh, you, you, the, the, culture, the culture receives uh, as much as it gives. And, and I've always said that when you don't pay attention to sports, it's easy to talk about it, but if you don't, uh, if you don't go to the game and support the kids and give them the type of encouragement that they need, you know, you're going to get a lackluster response as well. And, and, and I mean, I, I met, I, just today, I met a very prominent young athlete who is not going to the state college because of uh, certain uh, issues. I tried to get someone who's close to her to find out why. But here's a young athlete who is one of the most prominent um, uh, athletes in Dominica who is going to be home, sitting at home, and she's not going to the state college, where I, I think, naturally, someone with, of that pedigree should be afforded that opportunity to go there. Maybe your parents can't afford it. Maybe you know, there are some limitations. There, but what, if, if we are serious about developing her skill and her talent, you can't let her go by the wayside because she's finished high school. Now, one of the things we've seen in sports as well is that the kids do well up to the end of high school, and at, at the end of high school, it, we sort of see them, you know, drop away, and they, and they you know, they, they, they're no longer around. And it is, it is my suggestion, still, there's still time, something should be done about this young athlete. And I'll say her name because I'm a little bit, uh, someone should find out why, we, why, why she is not there? I, 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 I want to say her name, but uh, I maybe I should refrain from doing that because I may not. Uh, it might not be pleasing to her. But if anyone wants to find out who is that, you can call me if you're interested in knowing who, and we could probably talk about what can be done. Because if you are so hungry for the result that you want, which is to see our flag raised at one of these games then you can't just ignore the kids who can actually deliver that. Uh, you have to first invest in the human side. And if the human side is taken care of, then we can probably switch now to look at the other pieces, which is the equipment and the hardware. But it, it also uh, speaks volumes if you create the infrastructure and then the culture doesn't respond to it. it, it you you kind of have to show that it means enough to you so that, so that in, a, in two months, when the high school independence athletic championships is going on at the stadium, you don't have only the students of the schools cheering on. Dominica should come out and show that this means a lot. When there is champs, when, when a meet like of that magnitude is held in Jamaica, the country shows up, sponsors show up, and they sponsor the meet. 
the, the, the private sector gets involved, and they put their monies up to make sure the kids are taken care of, that everything is, uh, is in place. You, you can't just sit back and talk and expect things to, to get done. We have to put up and get involved, and we will see the necessary results. Now, uh, going back to your, you, what you mentioned, Thompson, with regards to Dominica's desire, there are uh, quite a few athletes from Dominica who are, I think, positioned well to do good for Dominica. I think uh, TLR4 is one of those. She is at Maryland University. We have David Regis, who is in Alaska. He is a long jumper. Tia is a heptathlete. She does all of the various events, long jump, triple jump, uh, short put. She can, she's training to do all that stuff. And so hopefully we will, we will probably see TLR4 doing uh, one of these heptathlete things. Jessica Innes did for Great Britain for Dominica. Um, uh, Chelsea Linton is, is also uh, in, in uh, one of the heptathletes pedigree that we have. We have Yodanis Garcia, who is a world-class triple jumper who needs to fix a few things. And if he does, I think this young man has a, 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 a great opportunity, well, holds an opportunity to provide Dominique with one of the medals that, that he has in him because he's an extremely amazing triple jumper. Uh, we have uh, Simon... We have young Simon, who is out in, uh, Dylan Simon, that is, who is out at university in the States as well. He's doing the shot put, focusing on that. He, too, can become uh, something special for Dominica. We have uh, Vanessa Henry, who is also in Maryland at university as well. She is doing the field events. Uh, we, we have um, uh, quite a few young emerging talents. Uh, Luan Gabriel, who went to the Olympics and is back home here. She, too, is of a special pedigree, and people who can deliver. Now, when I say that, I'm, I'm saying that in spite of the deficiencies that exist around them, they are showing that they can step up to the plate. Uh, I think Brendan Williams missed out by three centimeters to qualify for the Olympics. A heartbroken uh, young man who really, really wanted to go and do something for his country. As a matter of fact, <laughs> the gentleman who beat him from St. Lucia could not even jump two meters 16, and Brendan was doing two meters 28, uh, two meters 26, sorry, uh, prior, and he and he needed to do two meters 28 or something like that to qualify. So when when you look at the the effort being displayed by young Dominican athletes, it's tremendous. It's amazing notwithstanding the fact that they have all these limitations around them. However, what has been missing and still is missing is the engagement from the, the, the local, uh, so, well, from the public, from uh, families and friends and supporters and fans. We don't see that coming out to these people and recognizing the effort. The National Athletic Championship was held uh, some time back and hardly anyone showed up to watch or support if, if it's important to us, we can't just speak. We have to act. It's easy to sit back and criticize. It's easy to sit back and say, this isn't happening, and blame this and blame that. But there, there's the part that we do. If, a, if the stadium gets filled up with 5,000 people, everyone will take note because it matters. This is why the, 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 the money follows cricket, because... 10, 12,000 people get into the stadium. You don't want to disappoint them. Well, if no one shows up for the athletics championships, 
it probably signals that there isn't that bit of interest in it. So we can force the hands of the people who, are, who we need to empower to do what we want them to do by acting. And acting means stepping up and showing that we want to support people. And, and, and then we can start pulling, the, 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 pulling out the stops and getting what we want done. Darren, I think that is that is very well said. You know, unless we get that kind of support, then we have a problem. And also, there is a history as well. I mean, Jamaica became a member of the Olympic Committee in 1948. Grenada joined in 1984. Dominica, we did that in 1993. All right. So you see, you see, you know, even in terms of the of the kind of interests and and, and the emphasis that that was being placed where the islands are and i i was one of those who maintained when, when, when i was doing track and field in dominica in administration always maintained that all we needed was just one athlete to be on the world stage and that we will get repeat i mean look at the kind of publicity the kind of coverage that grenada got because of qani dames they sent a, a team nbc sent a team to grenada free advertising showing the wonderful beaches of grenada and all of that before millions and millions of people you know i mean that is something that the country could never pay for but just by having one athlete and i believe that the investment in terms of the return to investment given that dominica has always produced natural athletes i think it's time that we begin to look more seriously at how we can harness those talents that we have in dominica and thompson i i can i can add something to that because i i was speaking to a young man last night his name is simon lawrence and i and if he's listening he can vouch that. And I, I spoke to him and I said, I need you to keep working hard. You need to keep training. You have all the hills in Woodford Hill. Keep running up those hills, building those muscles. Stay focused. Keep your eyes. You know why I'm telling him that? He was one of the, the guys who raced against Kirani James at the Winter Highland School Games. He knows the guy. He, 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 here, here is... Simon Lawrence is about 19. Uh, Kirani James is, is about 19, 20. Same age, and one of one of his pair has gone uh, light years ahead of him. And um, it's it's a track didn't do that. You know, it wasn't a track that did that. It was guts. It was Kirani's passion and the hard work and the ethic, the work ethic that he put out. And there was talent to that, of course. But I, I am convinced that at point in the in the development they were very close in terms of competing against each other and one just leapfrogged the other and 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 went ahead and it could have been simon lawrence i the, the, the fact is if we if it, it maybe maybe there was greater support behind karani james in terms of pushing him look look at where he ended up he's at alabama university scholarship went there and we, we, we have yet to actually seen, we are yet to see in recent times, uh, a young athlete from Dominica actually get the type of scholarships and engagement into U.S. universities, which, which, which is also something that we need to look at. Yes, Darwin, this is very important because when, when, we were, when I was, again, going back to my period there in, in the late 80s, early 90s in Dominica, we actively went after the universities. We actually got entrance for quite a few of our athletes then. I think it's something mm -hmm. that the, the, the DAAA has to, has to do on its own. You know, because the schools are always looking for talents. I mean, we had Neil Philogen, and we had Don Williams. We had we had a couple others that we actually got into schools in the U.S. And I think that that is one of the things with the young athletes that you've mentioned. 
I think it's about time that you know you get the videos. I mean, when I say you, I mean the, the Dominican authorities get the videos and apply to those schools. They are always looking for talent that they can develop because in the end, it makes it creates a name for the schools and they are very good athletic schools there in the United States that are just looking to give scholarships to talented students. So right. really, one thing that there is no excuse really if we are not getting in. I think it. I think the, the 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 emphasis has to come, or the effort has to come from the part of the officials in Dominica responsible for regulating the sport. Well, that, that's true. But remember, remember the the driver. The driver has to be that the culture has to desire it. If 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 it's not, if it doesn't matter that Chelsea Linton is in Mariga tomorrow and the next day, and not going to. This is the Dominican.net radio. We are listening there to this week in interview. We are talking to Mr. Darwin Telemac. Darwin, who is a commentator, quick commentator in Dominica. We are going to take a, a short break and we'll be right back with the rest of the interview with Darwin. Culture desires it, and uh, you know, boy, I, I, since I came back from from London with this with the, with the team, I'm hearing so much talk, and it's good to hear people talking. But uh, we need to step it up and and make that change. And I was making the point about uh, one of our, I think, uh, pr premier young athletes in in the country, Chelsea Linton, and she's at home. She's she has to do some work, but she's not part of a. Uh, not even the state college would afford her the opportunity to come in there and do work. You know, you, you, you're, you're, wondering, you're wondering at what point do we value these assets? To what point do we, do we determine here is someone valuable and let's invest in them? And, and so that school doesn't become, uh, the cost of schooling doesn't become a barrier. We're, we're going to be asking American schools to give our kids uh, scholarships to go to their school and our own college will refuse to give these very students that we need to harness and develop a scholarship. That makes no sense. It should be automatic, which speaks to the broader challenge. Do we really take this thing seriously? And, and if, we, if we do, then we should have already identified these graduates uh, for 2012, targeted them, and made sure that all was done so that they can continue. I must commend the Marigold Development Committee, by the way, Thompson, they are doing a, an extremely go a good job in putting out a program trying to get a few of these young athletes off to U.S. schools. I hope that, um, uh, that um, you know, many of them who have, uh, who have attempted to get in are going to be received. Uh, M Michael Pascal, who is running the program here in Dominica, has been in touch with me about a couple of them, and one in particular that we have to really finalize some work on. Um, but I'm hoping that we can actually bring this thing to fruition, that we can move some of these children from Dominica into schools where they could further develop their athletic uh, ability and become something special for Dominica. But notwithstanding that, if they are here in Dominica, we should invest in them. We should make sure that they are part of the, a school program, continuing at the state college, working at, at developing their academics while they do their, their, their athletic training and not left simply to be 
lingering. And and if 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 we as a people are the ones doing that to them, why should uh, a U.S. university or uh, someone else pick them up when we are not willing to invest in them? It's it's uh, it's a little bothersome. Absolutely, and that is something that we certainly need to examine. But I I'm I'm firmly convinced. Having done it myself, having gone through, and having gotten quite a few of our athletes into schools here in the U.S., it, 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 it can be done. And I think it's something that we certainly need to pay a lot more attention to. Right. And, and not, not only into U.S. schools, uh, Thompson, because Mr. Felix Wilson and myself, uh, we spoke to some of the people in, from the Jamaican contingent. He spoke to the head of the group from Jamaica, and they were making application, well, making a request that they would consider uh, one of our athletes into their program, and he got very, very good res- res- response from that. And that, that pertained to Luan Gabriel. Uh, he spoke to the school, and they were very interested, and I'm sure there's going to be further discussions around getting out of here, possibly into Jamaica. And there's a benefit of going to Jamaica uh, versus the States. Uh, the Jamaicans are now growing their, their athletes at home. They don't, they, you don't have to go to the States anymore. You can now develop your skill in Jamaica. There are good academic institutions there. And the, the, the best athletic program, sprints, that is, in the world, would have to now be considered the, the, the program in Jamaica. No one is producing athletes like they are. And therefore, if we could get some of our sprinters into that setup, then that would certainly be something worthwhile to look at. And, and we are looking at that. The other thing about the Jamaican program is that it, it does not stress the athlete out as much as an NCAA schedule would. And um, I was speaking to Brent Stubbs of the, of the Bahamas team. He's the head of, well, one of the lead journalists with the Bahamas group. And he was explaining the pressure that goes on with the, the Bahamian athletes who are studying in U.S. universities having to choose between representing the Bahamas and the U.S. universities and some of the challenges that the U.S. universities give to them coming back home to be part of the setup. He also speaks about fatigue after going through weekends and weekends of racing and going around in the NCAA uh, schedule. It's hard. It's hard work. In, in a Jamaican environment, it is better controlled. You can still get the work in, but where you race and how you race can probably be managed better because there, there isn't that aggressive approach uh, which could lead to burnout and, 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 and some and maybe even injuries as well. So uh, the, the, the discussion as to where one goes, uh, at least we now know that there is an option within the region that can actually take care of some of those challenges. Even, uh, Thompson, when, when one considers, uh, not to segue a little bit, when one considers the legacy of, of, of our cricket and the fact that we developed most of our cricketers in England, and when the doors got shut on, on our cricketers not being able to go to play there and develop their skills, we ended up in trouble. Um, one can question now whether the Americans looking at the Jamaicans taking over their prowess in the sprints may one day wake up and say, well, we're probably not going to train them as well, or we may not do as, you know, as aggressive as we have been doing. And one never knows. I mean, history is there for us to learn from. And I would suggest that if we are determined to build a world-class program in the Caribbean, in Jamaica even, uh, they've decided that they're not going to let that happen. They have the system there that feeds and breeds their own people. Well, we too, while we may not be able to build one, we as a, as a region and the governments uh, and, and people of each of these islands should be ready to invest in that program in Jamaica 
to the benefit of our people and our children so that we don't have to necessarily re- depend on extra regional options to develop our athletes. Darwin, very well said indeed. And as we kind of wrap up this session, I was just wondering, from your perspective, having looked at this thing quite closely, having interacted with the athletes, looked at the culture in Dominica, are you, are you very hopeful about the future of um, Olympians in Dominica? Hopeful, optimistic, pessimistic, um, downright discouraged? How would you describe no, I'm, your, I'm, your sense I'm, now? A, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist in spite of the challenges that I see. And, and this, is, this often confuses people it is, because I'm not one who believes that the, the, the glasses are empty. I always believe that desire trumps the, the, the challenge. If you desire it bad enough, you can overcome. And, and many of the stories of winners are written in when they've gone through the deepest, darkest you know, trials of their life. They've come out try and triumph. If you study Donald Trump, he, was, he went dead broke at one point. He lost everything, came back and won. Uh, you, know, you look at uh, many of the guys who have done well in their lives. Uh, they've gone through adversities and come back. It's almost as if the coming back makes the thing bigger, better. And, and the, 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 the ones involved, they, they, they cherish it and they... they they work harder to keep it. So I, don't, I am not one who is a pessimist. I am optimistic, but I can tell you there are some severe challenges that exist for our young athletes. I am, I am concerned about the functionality of the DAAA in Dominica in terms of its ability to stay focused on its mission. You know, the personalities and the little sniping that goes on, those are trivial things. Uh, it, it, uh, but however, it gets in the way of the real message. It gets in the way of the mission. The kids are, are left languishing while you know people fight about different little silly stuff. And and you saw it in your time. It still goes on where people are dissatisfied with this and that. And Dominicans seem to be you know, becoming so focused on the problem that we don't really. It's not even a problem. Sometimes it's a perceived problem. It's it's it's. It's often the one who is disengaged that stands outside and looks in and says, well, I'm going to be disruptive uh, just because I'm not there. And they they've forget that what we're doing is messing up the future and the hopes of someone else. And so while, while athletes are out there training, uh, you know, and, and, and trying their best, there are organizers and administrators, former and those, in, those who are inside and coaches and everything else, who are, who are themselves more focused on their own egos and their own personal interests. And, and we need to lay that aside and put what's important first. What's important is the desire for young children to achieve their dreams. When, when children go to bed at night and they close their eyes, dreaming one day to put a medal around their neck for their country, bring that to your mind and let that be what drives you. you know, let that be what you see and not the little trivial things that you can contend with. You, you know, we, we, are, we are all adults and we are big men. We can deal with stuff, but let us give the kids their dream and let us take ourselves away from it. Let, you know, one of the things that I see, and, I, and I'll say this on national radio, uh, it, it, because you, it, it appears that when, when a certain group is in, then uh, there is support for that group. When a certain group is out, there is uh, another group that's opposing that group who don't work. So you have coaches and administrators who can make very good, effective contributions who refuse to do so just because it's that guy or that person. And in the end, the 
people who suffer is not the guy. It's the kids. It's the young athletes. And, and that is sad when we can see that. We need to put that aside and step it up and let us put the young people first. Let us put their dreams first. Let us give them the best chance to succeed. If we do that, we may, we may see something soon. Yes, we are back live here with um, Darwin Telemark. We wanted to switch gears, Darwin, with the rest of the time we have left on this weekend interview as we welcome those that are just joining us right now through Q95FM in Dominica as well as over the internet at TDN Radio. We wanted to talk a little bit about the upcoming T20 World Cup cricket. I know as a cricket commentator, you have certainly have a lot to, to say about that. And um, in the rest of the time we have, I wanted to first of all get your views about the team that has been selected um, for the T20. Um, any surprises? Well, no, I think the team is the, the best T20 team that um, the West Indies could put out there. I think that in, in terms of our, our cricket overall, if there's one aspect that they do get right, I think, is the selection of the T20 team. I think that, and, and by the way, that may not be by, that may come about mostly because of, um, I, I would say, international arrangements, because most of these T20 players are global stars, so it's almost easy that you have to bring in Bravo, you have to bring in Pollard, you have to bring in Marlon Samuels, uh, it's easy, Dwayne Smith, because they're sought after by international teams, and therefore it's easy to see who you pick. I think um, uh, with the test team and the one-day team, there are more questions in terms of selection there. But uh, the, 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 the T20 team, that becomes easy. The wicketkeeper might be, you know, toss-up here or there, but I'm not I was really about to I was about to ask you about that. Uh, I think in looking at the team, I, I don't think that there is a place at all for the wicketkeeper, Danish Ramden. Well, you, you, if you drop Ramden and you bring in ball, you're really not, you're not getting much. You're not getting much either way. They don't bat. Uh, they don't, they, they, they no, but bad. but but Darren, why why bring in Bo? Why not bring in? Isn't isn't um, Lyndon Simmons? Uh, can they do keeping to me to keep for twenty overs? Should not be a burden. You don't need a specialist keeper for twenty well, overs. If you've not if you've not been doing it, you're not going to risk your tournament on a makeshift uh, wicket keeper. If you are if you have an injury and you have to try that, then that's something you try. But if you if you have if you have to. If you have to go into a tournament, you go in there with a specialist. So why, so why not go in with Devon Thomas then? Devon Thomas proved uh, himself certainly above Danish Remden. He, to me, he was I, a lot more aggressive. Uh, well, I mean, if you, 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 I, once again, uh, it's, if you picked Thomas, you picked Ramden, or you picked Ball, you're getting the same thing. You're not getting much of a difference. Uh, it's, you, you can't say that Devon Thomas is a, a you know, steps ahead of Ball, steps ahead of Ramden. They're all the same. You know, the wicket keeping spot, if you, uh, I, as I mentioned, is, is basically give or take. And we have not yet seen a wicket keeper that steps in and says, I am the man. And um, there's going to be questions there whether you pick Ball, Ramden, Devon Thomas. You could even make a case for Lyndon James to do in North Islands. Uh, who, is, who is a good batsman, and, or you know, but then again, he, he can't he can't be there. The young, the young uh, wicketkeeper from Barbados is also a very good option. The Bajans may be asking why not him as well. So the keeping slot is your most vulnerable slot. It's not because because of the lack of options. Let's put it that way. It's it, it, it's any anyone becomes the same as far as I'm concerned. You're not getting more with. Anyone pick that you choose right now in the in the ribbon. We don't have a Jeffrey Dujon type player 
on the on the on the radar screen at this point. So you go with maybe the one that brings the big the the, mo- the most leadership and maybe the brightest uh, <laughs> the brightest all-round game. Uh, although I think that his his gesture to Vivian Richards should have ended his career, but you know I'm not the the WICB and they, yeah, and that would have been harsh. I think I think that would have been really harsh. You know, you, you know, people make mistakes, and and um, I think what he has to do is go out and bat. And but you, you don't you don't carry a, a sign in your helmet for weeks and weeks on end, hoping one day to embarrass the very man who guarantees you your pay. And when I say that, what I mean is, and I've been waiting to say this, the only reason that Dennis Ramden gets paid what he gets paid is because of the legacy of Viv Richards. If he was being paid based on the legacy of this current crop, he would not be paid what he's paid. So the television rights money that the West Indies cricket team gets paid is because the world is still hoping to see uh, players of the elk of Viv Richards, Clive Lloyd, and to disrespect these men who are ensuring that he could have a livelihood. I think that speaks to a total lack of uh, you know, certain mental capacity on this young man. He, 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 yeah, the context of the game is crazy, and for the WICB not to have act beyond what they did, I think it's quite disappointing, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, uh, Darwin, let's look at the at the lineup at the starting eleven. Your starting eleven would 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 Darren Bravo make that first eleven? Uh, that's a that's a tough question. Uh, you 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 you've you've won a few twenty twenties without him, uh, so his 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 entrance there would probably be. Uh, maybe the biggest question, although he still represents the brightest spark for the batting in, at the West Indies team level. Uh, he's, our, he's the best young batsman on, on show, the best young batsman around the region, and um, it might very well be a decision that the skipper and the selectors make to put him in, because you need Darren Bravo to believe that he, he is required to build the batting around. He hasn't been doing particularly well, uh, so I would, th- I would say that's a toss-up. I, I, would, I would certainly say that would be uh, in, in, a toss-up in my mind. Because I'm thinking that if you're to bring in Darren Bravo, you would have to sacrifice uh, Johnson, right? Well, it, 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 Johnson Charles would would would, it, it, he would he you have to give Johnson Charles a chance. He's been doing well at the T20 level. He's top of the he's at the top of the order, and um, Bravo comes in lower down in the middle. So it would not be Johnson Charles that would probably be that would probably suffer. You'd have to. Finagle with the middle, but but, the who middle else, but who else? But who? But who? in the middle? The middle seems to me to be pretty set with Malon Samuels uh, and 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 Kieran Paul. You're talking about dropping Kieran Paul at then? Well, no, may, maybe maybe you may maybe you may do something with uh, Malon Samuels bowling a few more overs and uh, you know tweaking your bowling or, or doing something different. No, I'm, I'm talking about the batting lineup because if you're going to bring in if you're going to bring in Darren, because I agree with you, I think Johnson Charles would make it, but I'm saying that if Darren is going to play, then you have to take somebody out. One of the one of the you know the three fourth there, and the question is who. Well, I, I like I told you, I he he to my mind would not be a shocker if he was brought in because he is our best and our brightest batting hope. He's not delivered consistently, but he still remains one of the best hopes of batting for the West Indies team. Right, However, I, I agree, but I'm saying if he's brought in. At whose expense? Who do you I, have to I, sacrifice? I, well, you, we've seen we've seen the West Indies uh, selectors do a lot of magic, so we we'll, we'll probably just have to watch. I can't I can't predict that whose expense, but I would not be shocked if he played. And um, uh, maybe maybe you might see the Winnowed Island the batsman Charles sit out the opening or the first part of it. 
He might come in afterwards. If there's a, if there's a choice between Charles and, and Darren Bravo, Bravo gets it. Uh, and no, in your opinion, is that is that fair? Because it seems to me that 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 Johnson has proven well. I mean, given given well, the well, standards on, we have on. currently. If, if you if you if you want to address fairness in terms of the selection of West Indies teams, then you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. We just had one of the most uh, the the biggest travesty inflicted on Shane Shillingford. Shane yes, Shillingford left Dominica, bowling out the mighty Australians, taking ten wickets in the home team, bowling well in Trinidad where he played first against them, coming home here and taking 10 wickets in a match. Goes to England, play, has one test, okay, one test, and um, didn't do too well in that test. He's dropped, uh, uh, Narayan comes, plays, uh, Shane, he plays a test match, doesn't do too well. They persist with Narayan, they come to the Caribbean, Shane goes and bowls against the, the, the New Zealand team, picks up five wickets in an innings that he bowled in, and uh, then the selection comes and Shane is sent home on the hopes that Narayan might deliver. Now, the, 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 I've, I've, and I thought I've explained this before, but what, what always startles me is what makes that decision. If, if, if Shane has been a consistent performer at the regional and international level, he's taken wickets, He's playing well. What is the rationale in dropping him? If you're looking for rationale between who plays and who doesn't play from these selectors, they'll drive you nuts. Because Narayan was simply a pick based on, I think, celebrity. It's a hype. Well, you don't pick people on hype, and you don't play with people's career based on hypes. If a guy is doing well, the next player who is trying to get in has to wait until that player has done sufficiently poorly enough for you to discard him or push him aside. To take him at the, at the pinnacle of his game and put him to sit down on the bench while someone who has not yet been tested, who has not yet been seen, is given an opportunity, speaks volumes as to, this, to the decision that goes into who is selected and how the selection panel makes decisions. It's, the strategy is wacky at best. I don't understand it. I agree with you fully in that. In fact, I was I was certainly shocked, like all the rest of Dominica, to see that, you know, after the way he performed, that Shane was not selected, and you wonder exactly how they make those decisions. And um, but but are you uh, is is that the end of Shane? I, I mean, can we see him coming back? Because West Indians have played two spinners in the past, right? Um, well, well, I mean, if you, if you, it's not the end of Shane. He's still a contracted player with the WICB. He'll be for a while. I think that the, the series after the T20, we'll, we'll see Shane going on tour with the team. I should. I shouldn't say we will. I think we should um, because one never knows. And, um, you know, if he goes out to Bangladesh and he gets an opportunity and he, and he does well, you know, you, 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 you expect him to be part of the setup. The sad truth is if, you're, if your best bowler, has been Shane Shillingford, then at what point do you decide, without giving him the opportunity to bowl and, and, and fail, that you're going to replace him with someone that you hope will do well? That is the logic that I don't understand. You, you, if if Narayan has played seven first-class matches prior to coming out, coming out into the test arena, seven, Shane has played for many, many years, consistently taking over 20 or 30 wickets. You're not questioning his ability to take wickets. He can now he's part of the West Indies setup. He's still taking wickets. So at what point do you decide that you're going to juggle with, with this 
experience we could take or with someone that you hope might do the same. The other thing that I, that I think speaks to a lack of strategy is that if you, are, if you have a, 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 a mystery spinner as Narayan and you, want to in, and you want to invest in him and keep him as a secret, why allow him to bowl 50 overs? Why not make him a specialist T20 spin bowler that can give you this World Cup T20 championship? You've let him bowl 50 overs against the, the Kiwis, that's the New Zealanders. The world has been watching him do it. He's bowled 40-something overs against the English players. Why don't we do what the New York Yankees do with Mariana, where he only comes in at the end of the, the, the innings and closes? We could easily have had a mystery man for four or five more years if all we gave were glances of Narayan. We decided, no, let's, you have a wicked taker in Shane Shillingford. You could keep Narayan a mystery, but the, the mastery of the minds of West Indies selectors decide, let's go full scale and, 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 and expose Narayan. And you could have still maintained Narayan's mystery if and when you were ready now to release or, or, or reduce Shane's uh, input into the team. But we, we, we don't see and think in strategic ways, we make decisions and uprooted, I think, a, a player that could have continued to do well for West Indies. And could we see more of the same? For example, could we see Badri um, forcing his way into the team at the expense of Shane further? Uh, I, uh, well, Badri is, is considered a, a T20 specialist. I, I think Badri uh, is, is not being looked at for test cricket, per se. His, his record at the T20 level has been phenomenal. His strike rate is very, very good. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're going to persist with Badri at the T20 level. However, I would, I would, I would, I would suggest that as the, as the rest of the world views Narayan as a T20 master, his home team should have been smart enough to recognize that and maintain that. Because it's not as if you needed a, 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 a bowler that could take five. You had one. Shane could easily take five, six. My goodness, he's proven to you he could take 10 in a match. So if you, if you have that option, why overexpose your mystery bowler, so the so-called mystery spinner? Why, why do that? It's, it's, there is enough cricket for him, Narayan, to be a part of a setup while you allow Shane to also be a part of the setup. And that could even put less strain on, 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 on the West Indies team going forward because... When Narayan needs to do his 2020 stuff, he can go do it. You still have Shane to continue playing your test cricket. But we don't want to do that. We, 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 we want to take it all. As if Narayan could have given the West Indies bowling a greater impact than Shane did. And from the results, he has not. He has not. He definitely has not. That was a very interesting discussion indeed, but we are quickly running out of time. I just wanted your take. Is this West Indies team good enough to, to win this T20 World Cup? On paper, absolutely. Uh, in terms of their ability to deliver, I don't think that they've played enough cricket as a, as a unit to pull it off. And that might, that might prove to be the, the shortcoming of this very very strong team on paper. I mean, that is a very strong team. Gail, Pollard, Bravo, Samuels. Uh, you're, you're, you're not talking about a, a soft team. And with, Devil, with Dwayne Smith playing the best cricket of his life uh, at this stage, that gives West Indies a very, very good option, a good opportunity to, I, I think, go very far in this tournament. But if you look at the other teams, they've been playing so much T20 cricket. Uh, they've been. I mean, our last stint was against the the, key, the the Kiwis, the New Zealand team, and from what we see, the, their cricket is not really of that higher standard, and um, we've not played for a little while. So, one wonders if that 
Okay, this is the Dominican Dot That Radio. We seem to have lost. Um, Darwin, just when we're about to wrap up, I just want to extend my thanks to Darwin for joining us tonight on this week in interview for the entire hour. This week in interview is held um, for the first month when we discuss interest to you, listener. We encourage you to join us again next week for another edition of this week in interview when we will have yet another guest of interest. This is the Dominican.net Radio together with Q95FM. My name is Thompson Fontaine. I want to thank all of you for joining us tonight on this special edition of This Week in Interview. Do join us again next week when we return with another edition of This Week in Interview. Coming up at 9 o'clock on the Dominican.net Radio is the standman of the Small Island Massive who will be, of course, playing as usual music of the Caribbean up to midnight tonight. That's coming up at 9 o'clock. Have a good night all and thank you for listening. (laughs) 